Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. share with you a word that God has laid on my heart. Uh, it's a series called Battlegrounds, and uh, I think I was actually during the week thinking about something completely different, and I was uh, at a moment thinking about Sunday's message for dads, and by the way, dads, if you're here today and you weren't here last week, uh, there's a great barbecue spice at the back. Uh, unfortunately, you missed, you know, uh, some incredible pose downs going on, the community's biggest poser. We'll have to bring that back at some point, but uh, we had a lot of fun last Sunday, and, uh, and I felt like God's presence was so uh, strong in this place. But uh, if you weren't able to make it because you were visiting or, you know, maybe you were visiting your dad, um, whatever, or maybe your children decide to take you away to some cottage for a weekend. And, man, if your kids are doing that, talk to my, get your kids to talk to my kids. So that happens for me. Um, but we do have barbecue spice, and we still have some left over, so please grab one. Uh, and uh, it's a homemade spice that we got from uh, Roger uh, next door here. And so I've already heard from some guys that have already used it, that it's really, really good. So make sure you grab your barbecue spice uh, today. But thinking about that message, I was thinking about this battle that goes on. And, you know, today I want to share a series, and I actually want to start a series for the summer called Battlegrounds. And I want to talk about, you know, the, the battle that all of us are facing. And a lot of it is not just because we're following Jesus, but also because of the role and the responsibility that's on you know, our lives as men and as women of God. And, uh, and so I want to share with you some thoughts out of Ephesians chapter 6 today. But as we get ready to read that passage, I don't know how many remember. I might be dating myself a little bit here. Uh, I don't know if this is a popular game anymore. But how many here remember playing King of the Castle? Right? I mean, there was just something, and especially, and I know it's weird to talk about this, you know, in the summer, but, like, we lived in a cul-de-sac, so when it was winter and the snowplow would go through, like, it was the best thing about a cul-de-sac, right? Because if you lived in a cul-de-sac, it all just got piled up in the center. And, you know, and I, you know, I got to tell you, man, like, it's so funny to see how different uh, parenting styles are over the years, because... I don't think my parents ever, ever gave any thought to the idea that we were, you know, in these huge mounds of snow, doing tunnels that are like 10 feet long, and there was no thought of us getting crushed underneath snow. It's like, hey, good on you for building the tunnel, you know? Like, I'm not sure Cora would be as, uh, as up about the girls climbing through a 10-foot tunnel in a mound of snow, you know? But, man, it was so much fun, and our favorite game to play was King of the Castle, and the idea was you get to the top of that hill and you kept your ground, you stood your ground and, and you had everybody, you know, uh, trying to grab you from any place possible, you know, knee, leg, ankle, arm. Some guys would jump out of nowhere and just clobber you and roll down the, sometimes they didn't even care about getting the king of the castle, they just want to roll down the hill, right, you know. And it got violent. How many had violent games of king of the castle, right? Like it got Man, like if there was no if there was no blood, I gotta tell you, it just wasn't a sport. I'm just saying, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but King of the Castle, stand your ground. And the truth is, is that I feel like, and this is the message that Paul actually gave to the church in Ephesus, and it's a great reminder to us to stand our ground. That at every level and every angle, the enemy is trying to take your ground. The ground that God has. Uh, you know, through his, the power of his spirit and the way of transformation, personally, how you have grown. Like, I'm sure most of us, in fact, all of us should, 
have a point in our lives where we look back and we say, you know what? The person that I was before I came to Jesus is not the person that I am today. See, that is the real, that's really the sign that you're following Jesus because to follow Jesus means that there's a transformation of your life because there is a uh, healing from, you know, some of the consequences of sin. There's the undoing of some of the things that sin establishes, you know, in our lives in the way of thinking and understanding, and we become more like Jesus. And so as we're being transformed to be like Christ, there should be a point where we come along with the scripture where the scriptures often says, this is who you once were. And if that's not happening, then, and I just say this as gently as I can, but, but we're really not following Jesus if that's not happening. If we can't look back in our lives and go, well, that's who I once was, then, then the trans- we haven't allowed. It's not, it's not an issue with God. It's us. We haven't allowed God, you know, by his spirit to do the work, or maybe we're not walking into the obedience of God's word as we feel convicted by it. But, but regardless, the transformation is what God wants to have happen, and I don't know about you, but when I look back at my life, there's, there's ground that I've gained spiritually that I don't want to give up. There are things in my life that I'm so grateful that I've, that I've really understood the grace and the love of God, that I've received that, that I'm grateful that today I don't have to stand in shame for some of the things or the guilt that I would you know, feel, especially in those days where you know, you're still trying to figure out faith and whatever, and I'm still trying to figure it out, to be honest with you. I'm still on that journey of growth, but, but all that guilt of some of the stuff in my past, I'm so grateful that, that I'm, I've understood the love of God to such a degree that I go, yeah, I don't feel the guilt anymore, the, the guilt and the condemnation that the enemy wants me to feel. But he does that because he's hoping that you will bite on that so that you will take, put down your defenses and he will begin to take ground from you. And before you know it, what you once were is now who you are again. And God doesn't want you to go backwards, he wants you to go forward. And this is really the message of of Paul to the church in Ephesus, and I want to pick it up in verse uh, 10, and it'll be up on the screen here. Um, But the real word is today, and this is what we're going to look at this summer, is God has given you gifts to stand your ground, and we're going to stand it in him. Listen to what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. He says this, finally, be strong in the Lord. And in his, in his mighty power. I want you to highlight that today because we're going to focus on that part today. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the rest of this. Which he goes on to say, now put on the full armor. That means every piece that he's about to describe in this passage of scripture is key. Not just one, not just two, but all of them together as the armor of God are key to success. Because he goes on to say that you would put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. That you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, or the word here is strategies. The word here is strategies. Because our our struggle is not against flesh and blood. What he's saying is often we confuse the struggle in the natural when it's really a struggle that's going in the supernatural. There's a spirit realm uh, and, and a thing that's going on in the spirit realm that's affecting your life from time to time, and you need to be aware of it. And he goes on to say this, that your wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but here's what your wrestle really is against in those moments. You're against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I mean, he hits it all here. Right? I mean, he's not just saying it's just the devil. You, we need to understand, in North, especially in North America today, and I'll get there in a second, but we need to understand that there is a real enemy. There is a devil. 
And as much as, yes, absolutely, 100% should we be pointing to the hope that is in Christ Jesus, the love that is in Christ Jesus, the, you know, the power that is in Christ Jesus, salvation that's in Christ Jesus, you understand that you're actually elevating the power of those things by understanding the contrast of those things. Because in the same way that God is all loving, the enemy is all hating. Like he is literally, I mean, Jesus said it himself, right? John 10, one of my favorite passages of scripture. You know, he made it very clear. He said, listen, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, man. I want to bless you. I want you to walk in the fullness that I have for you. I want you to walk in salvation. I want you to walk in wholeness on this side of eternity. But you have to understand that while I'm working towards that, there's an enemy that is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And so Paul just broadens this idea that it's not just the devil. This is the enemy and all of his army. There's an army that's going on that is strategically placed to mess with your life and to mess with mine. So Paul says it again. He says, therefore, because of everything that I just said, in light of everything that I just said, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your grounds. Stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, then stand firm with the belt of truth that is buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, I want you to take up you know, the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. He's taking shots, everybody. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You know, it's no surprise, uh, you know, as a communicator, when I look at what Paul is writing here, it's no surprise that he would write this specifically to the church in Ephesus. I mean, part of the reason is because, you know, Paul is, is sitting in prison and, you know, he's, he's sitting around, he's surrounded by, you know, his captors and he's in jail and he's writing the church in Ephesus. And the church in Ephesus was very well known for a city that dabbled in witchcraft. Like witchcraft and sorcery was commonplace around the city, and so it became the norm. And so spiritual things or spiritual realm issues, if you want to call it that, you know, understanding, whatever, it's, it's, it's just commonplace, common conversation. It's all around them. So Paul, like any good communicator, when he's trying to emphasize, you know, something of importance spiritually, you, you bring an illustration from the natural of something that everybody faces every single day to help, to help emphasize your point. But, you know, I wonder, and I had this thought over the last few days, I wonder if one of the reasons uh, beyond that that Paul would write this letter to the church in Ephesus is because of the fact that it was commonplace. Like, do you know how sometimes, you know, sometimes you can walk by things like 10, 15, 20 times, and because you're walking by it every single day, you don't necessarily notice anything different? Like, for example, I remember a few years ago uh, when we were pastoring in Simcoe, uh, our daycare, we had a daycare at the church uh, that we owned, and it, and it was a great daycare, one of the large, in fact, it was the largest daycare in Norfolk County. And, uh, and so we had a ton of families coming through the doors. And so I remember we were trying to, we had a grant to add some more bathrooms and some water and whatever, so we had to dig up one of the hallways and break up all the concrete, and, 
And so we had a guy in the church doing that for us. And, you know, of course, you know, he's just bringing stuff out, one-man crew. So he'd bring stuff out, and he'd drop it on a tarp just outside the front door of the entrance of the daycare. And so, you know, I didn't mind for the first few days, and then one week goes by, and two weeks go by, and three weeks go by, and, and now I'm just in my head going, man, like, parents are walking by this every day, this just looks bad, you know, we should have just walked it another 20 feet, dropped it off somewhere else around the corner, like, it's just, and there were other issues when it came to clutter around the daycare, and because it's shared space, you know, I got a little frustrated, so, you know, I went down and I saw the daycare director, and I said, hey, Jen, can we just walk around the building a little bit, there's just a couple of areas that we just need uh, you know, the daycare staff just to clean up before they leave at night so that it's ready for, you know, midweek or Sundays. And it's, it's a conversation that we had all the time. So it was all normal. So we're walking through and, hey, Jen, can we move that? Yeah, we can. And so she's making a list and whatever. And I said, hey, Jen, uh, the, the pile of concrete rubble that's outside the main entrance of the daycare, when's that going? And she said, um, what, what rubble? Like, like the rubble that's as, and literally it was almost, in fact, I think it was as high as these tables and almost as wide. She was Craig, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, Jen, do you come into an opposite entrance than the rest of us? Like, do you have a secret passageway into the building? Because like, like I park on this side, I don't go through that entrance, but I can see it where it is. Like we all park here. She's like, Craig, I honestly don't know what you're talking about. Oh my, Jen, here, come here. And we walk up the door and she was horrified. She's like, oh, my goodness, Craig, I can't believe, I didn't even know that was there. Jen, it's been there for like three or four weeks. What? Craig, I walk by that every day. I know. And I'm just trying to figure out when you're, I didn't know if you think it was going to form into its own building or something. Like, I had, like Jen, like, it's got to go because she goes, Craig, you're right. I mean, I don't want any prospective parents coming in here and seeing this and, and, you know, and it's the project is done, and so it needs to be removed. And she goes, Craig, I, I walk by this every day. But she eventually became normalized to it and didn't see it because she didn't address it. And I wonder if the church in Ephesus was so used to conversation about witchcraft or, you know, conversation about sorcery that I wonder if there was a moment where the church just kind of normalized it a little bit. Not that they accepted it, but it's kind of like, ah, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's there, but come on. I mean, greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. And that's true. And I wonder sometimes if we in North America, because if you, if you have a chance to travel abroad in certain nations, the, the conversation about, you know, uh, the spirit realm is very heightened. And you can sense it and feel it. In fact, to be honest with you, I said to someone this morning, it's one of the reasons why uh, I really believe in short-term missions, and it is a target of ours to eventually start to send teams on short-term missions because I believe that we need an eye-opener to what's really going on in our world. Because as bad as it might be at times in North America, the truth is we really do live in a bubble. We live in a bubble. And the problem is I wonder if we have gotten to a place as the church or even just in culture in general, society, where we've kind of normalized spiritual realm issues like, you know, spiritual warfare stuff. Like I think we've gotten to a place where we're, when we talk about the devil, the first image we have is, you know, someone with a red cape, red face, and some little horns. Right? Or that's just what's in the movies and that's just the storytelling thing and, you know, we just, we just avoid, you know, the horror movie thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the truth is, 
what Paul was getting at and what Peter was getting at in the passage that I shared last week in Peter chapter 5. He's like, listen, guys, we have to wake up. There is a real enemy that is out to thwart the agenda of God for your life. And he's not just out to mess around with you. He is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And Paul says, listen, his last words to the church in Ephesus. Hey, guys, listen, I know you live in a world where, you know, sorcery and witchcraft and that conversation is the same. But I want you to know that the enemy is real and he is real in those things. And he's real in a lot of things. And sometimes you don't even know it. And here's the reason why. I mean, let me just share with you just this, a bit of a foundation here. Uh, as we get into the battleground you know, a conversation uh, this over the next few weeks because this enemy is real. Let me share with you some of the names that he's been given in Scripture. In Scripture, he has been known as the ruler of darkness. But at the same time that he's been listed as the ruler of darkness, do you know that the Bible describes him as someone who will come as the angel of light? That means that he will do things that will appear as if it were God. Or good. Or beneficial. Or okay. But that makes total sense because he's also known as a liar. He's also known as a deceiver. He's also known, you know, as the God of this age. He is known as a murderer. He is known as the accuser. He is known as the wicked one. He is known as the tempter. And as First Peter, uh, as Peter told us in First Peter chapter 5, he is known as the roaring lion that is waiting for the moment for you and I to drop our guard so that he can pounce on you. Because he wants to take the ground That you have gained because of your obedience and your faithfulness and your openness, not just to salvation, but for what God is actually doing inside your life. Listen, the enemy doesn't want community church to prosper. The enemy doesn't want Flamborough Baptist to prosper. The enemy doesn't want any church in this community to prosper, to do the things of God or establish the kingdom of God. And so the deceptor kicks in. You know, the, the tempter kicks in. You know, that, that angel of light kicks in. That means he's masquerading. That means there will be subtle things that the church, even the church, people of God, will buy in because it looks on the surface like it's okay. It's not bothering anybody. It's not a big deal. Or maybe I'll quote something that, hey, listen, that, that, that's a really good soundbite. But it doesn't line up with the word of God. It doesn't, li it doesn't line itself up with the person and the character of the nature of Jesus. And man, I'll tell you, if there was ever a time, especially with the explosion of social media, I mean, you see it every all day long, I and mean, you see people constantly quoting things, and there are times where I read stuff, and I'm like, why do people post that? That's not Jesus. That is, that's not even close to the word of God. But, but listen, how do, we, how do we even combat that if we don't know the word of God? And that's the reason why, you know, you'll hear me challenge, push to press into God. Because I know that the more we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit's role of transforming our lives and loving Jesus and getting into his presence and serving him in ministry and all that kind of stuff. Man, he's being shaped inside you and I. 
And our eyes begin to become a lot more wide open and we have the ability, and I'll show you in scripture in a second, we have the ability to begin to discern what is of the Lord and what's not of the Lord. Because the things that are not of the Lord have the ability, and I'm not going to suggest to you everything on the planet is evil. But I think that's part of the enemy's strategy is to take some of the things and just sneak it into the, the normal things of society, or the normal, normal things that are in our culture, things that we just go, yeah, you know what, that's just the way it is today. And God's saying, no, 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 no. He will masquerade as an angel of light. He is a deceiver. And can I just say this? If he had enough nerve, to tempt Jesus to give up his cross. You better believe he's got a nerve to go after you. And to go after me and to go after your children and to go after this church. To go after every man or woman of God that's serving out the purposes of God for their lives. And it's everything from what you've gained spiritually to what you're doing for the kingdom of God. Listen, let me give you some scriptures today, just again, to, to help you understand. This is just all foundational stuff today, and I hope you hear my heart today. I hope it lays a solid foundation, because I know it's important. It's been important to me and my walk with God over the years. But listen, if you want to see the story of how Satan fell himself, Isaiah chapter 14 is a great passage of scripture. Ezekiel chapter 28 talks about how his pride, he wanted to be God. He wanted to take God's spot, and God cast him out along with a third of the heavenly realm. But listen to this, because sometimes we forget how dangerous the enemy can be. Listen to this. Do you know that 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 says that he will be able to counterfeit miracles and signs and wonders? Whew. See that? Good things, but counterfeit. Look at, uh, let me give you another one here. First uh, Timothy chapter 4 verse 13 talks about how he will instigate false, do false doctrine. He, uh, Genesis chapter 3, we see that how he perverts the word of God or the truth of God. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 18 says that he will hinder the work of God's servants. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, he will blind men to the truth. He will lay snares for men in second, according to Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 28. He tempts, we know that from Matthew chapter 4. He afflicts, we know that from Job chapter 2 verse 7. He deceives according to Revelation chapter 12 verse 9. He even prompts both saints and sinners to transgress against the holiness of God according to Acts chapter 5 and Second Chronicles chapter 21. There is a real enemy that is out to destroy your life, to get in the way, to limit you, to not allow you to see God the way God wants to be seen. You know, he will use things. In fact, can I just say this? There's an interesting thing that Paul says here. He goes, listen, your wrestle's not against flesh and blood. Your wrestle's not against flesh and blood. And, and listen, that's important because, listen, your expectation your understanding, my understanding affects my ability to stand. It affects my preparation that, that affects my ability to stand. And an un, I said this on Thursday night. I didn't say it in the first service, but I'll say it today. That an unexpected attack will always prevail over unprepared soldiers. An unexpected attack will always prevail over unprepared soldiers. 
Just like when you're playing king of the castle, man, sometimes there's always that one person that comes out of nowhere. It's the enemy and the subtleness, and he will come along, and he will, he will try to, you know, cause each and every one of us not to see things the way that, you know, God wants us to see things. But sometimes we, we lose focus, and, and the enemy will allow things or use things in the natural, and we think that it's the natural things that are causing, uh, you know, the problem. And, and the problem is, is that they are a part of that problem, but they're not necessarily the roots. Sometimes the enemy is using things that he knows that in the natural it can get you distracted. And so he plays on those things. Someone said to me on Thursday night, Pastor Craig, how many times have I thought about this where, where the enemy will entice me to do things only to get me to do things that I know I shouldn't do. They don't honor God. And then he turns around and then he makes me feel guilty for it. What a powerful thought. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can get distracted with my family. Sometimes I can, I can see things going on in, in the natural, in, in the way of ministry, and, and I know initially I'm angry and frustrated at the person, or I'm frustrated at the situation, and sometimes God comes along and says, I don't know why you're frustrated with them. They're just being used by the enemy. They don't even know it. God's, he's, just, he's just playing that game so that you think that it's them, and so now you're focusing your energy on them when really you should be praying against what the enemy's trying to do through them. You know, we, um, this kind of hit home for us just a few weeks ago. Uh, the night, one of the, the Wednesday night that we went to visit Larry in the hospital and, and uh, you know, for a few minutes and, and please continue to pray for Larry Partridge. Man, some great things happened uh, last week. Uh, I know, I think it was Thursday morning or it was late Wednesday afternoon. Um, it was a really nice sunny day. He actually, I noticed because I went to visit him and he was sleeping. So I just sat there for 20 minutes and just prayed over him. And then I left, and I sent a message to Kathy, said, hey, I was there. And then Sarah had sent a post on, on social media and said, hey, listen, thanks for praying for my dad. He actually got out of the bed today. He went outside with the family for a little bit. Today he experienced less pain than he's experienced in months. He's been on less meds today than he has been in the past. And I actually noticed that they were unplugging stuff when I was there, and I was, like, shocked, right? And then, of course, stirred to keep praying harder, right? Because he's not out of the woods yet, Right? The subtleness of the enemy is he would come along and say, hey, listen, you've already done your thing. Don't worry about it. He's, he's on the mend. No, there's still battle going on, so we're going to continue to pray for his complete healing, and he walks out of the hospital. I'm going to believe for that. But when we were leaving the hospital, and we were talking about cancer and disease, and just, man, even just our journey since we've got to water down. And I can I just say this, man, we... We love you guys so much, and we love this church, and we're locked in, and we believe that God is doing some incredible things, but, but as a family, Cor and I have looked back, and we said, man, we can see the enemy at work trying to mess with our family, and so she looked at me as we were driving home, and she goes, you know, I think we need to ramp up our prayer game. You know, we pray for the girls all the time, you know, uh, whether in our own devotions or, like, you know, praying with Abby at night or, you know, as the girls are facing something specific, we'll say, hey, can we pray about it and whatever. But Cor said, forget that, or not forget that. That's not probably the right thing to say, you know. She's saying, let's add to that, meaning let's every night at 9 o'clock, and, and we're still trying to get this into our regular schedule, so I'm not going to paint a picture of, hey, we said it, we said it, we're going to do it, we did it every night. No, we missed a couple of nights. 
But again, the enemy might want to come along and say, well, you didn't do that, so give it up. No, 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 no. We're getting this into a rhythm. And so every night at 9 o'clock, we've been doing our best to shut off everything, TV, all. Listen, if you're a student in this place, you might want to, like, plug your parents' ears because I'm about to give them an idea. Yeah, you already got it, right? And we turn it off, and we take 10 minutes to pray for the girls, to pray for their school, or to pray for friends, or to pray for individuals like Larry and many others that are walking this journey. Pray for our church. And just in general, we begin to pray. That's our offense against the enemy. No, you're not taking our family. We have worked too hard to do as much as we've done. There's been a, there has been too many hours of prayer and hard conversations to let the enemy come in and try to deceive or to mess with my family. I'm not putting up with it. That's ground that I have gained through Christ Jesus. It's mine, and I'm standing my ground. That's it. That's it. You're not having my children. You're not having my church. You're not, ha- and I don't care what f- what natural thing you want to use to try to to mess with my focus and get me off of my focus, knowing that in the background you're using anything and everything in subtle ways and in big ways. Sometimes you're doing stuff that I think might be good, but in the background God's going, "Nope, that's not good," because He's trying to thwart the agenda of God. Because at the end of the day, He doesn't care about you and I. All He cares about is getting something away from what God. What belongs to God. What he has paid such an incredible price for. Wow. You. Me. Freedom. Like real freedom. Like freedom from not just sin, man, but man, there's just, there's darkness out there that is so dark that you, Man, that's why I go back to what I said, man. If you ever get a chance to go on a short-term missions trip, go. But, man, pray the blood of Jesus over your life because there is darkness in this world. And in North America, I think we've normalized it a little too much, if I'm being quite honest with you, and it's there. The enemy is, uh, listen, not to give him any more credit, but the truth is he is a master strategist. But praise God, man, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Praise God that we serve a Savior that is a conquering king, and he is one, and it's over. And now the enemy is just clutching and scratching and all that good stuff. And we just need to be sober. We need to be alert. And we need to put on the full armor of God. In fact, you know, going back to this word of God thing, because, you know, this is another area that I think the enemy can really mess with us. And I'm going to, I'm just going to end here. So if you want to come. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 10. Listen to this. So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Right? Like, hey, listen, you received Jesus, but that's just the beginning point, right? Like, no matter who you are inside this room, salvation is not, I know it sounds like it's the goal, and it might come across the wrong way, so I'm going to be careful how I say this. I mean, everything that God is doing is so that you and I can spend eternity with him. 
this, you, you have to understand through God's eyes, this is not our home. You know, I'm not referring to the community church building. I mean, like, earth. All he cares about, like Gary, all he cares about is knowing that you're going to spend eternity with him. That's everything he's working towards is to get you there, to get me there. Tara, he just wants to get you there, right? Because you're his child, he loves you, and he just cares so deeply about you. And, and, and he doesn't want just you, he wants everybody here. And when he looks at the populations of our community, he's like, I want all of them. Like, let's be honest, like, I know this sounds horrible, and God, please forgive me, but boy, you, you love us so much. Well, he says, I love you so much, I have a jealous love for you. Like, with God, it's all or nothing kind of a thing. Like, I want all of it. I don't want just a little bit. I want all. Right? But while we're on this side of eternity, because of the promises of God and also because of what we face, he says, I want you to continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. That means even in the good and the bad. Overflowing with thankfulness. Yeah, you know what, God? I had a sucky day. But you're still good. You're still God. There's a reason why the apostles and all that they faced were able to confidently say, hey, listen, yeah, you know what? Today hasn't been a great day as I'm sitting in chains. But I count myself worthy. In fact, I, I, I believe it's joy that God, you would allow me to face this trial. Wow. Consider it all joy when you're suffering. What? So to be honest with you, I heard someone say this the other day, and at some point we'll probably address it. I don't think we understand the biblical concept of suffering in North America. We don't have, I mean, we've got our challenges, but in comparison to a lot of places in the world, and I'm looking at Mike right now because I know he's traveled to a number of those places in recent months, and it, it's dark, man. There's a lot of suffering going on. But overwhelming with thankfulness, God, I just thank you. In fact, you know, I said to Sarah, I think I mentioned this last week, I said to Sarah, uh, Larry's daughter, you know, and I had said, uh, so the person that was with me, I just said, if the door opens, because I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that the enemy is going to try to plant that seed of anger and that frustration because the healing hasn't happened yet. So if the door opens, I'm going to take it. And the door opened, and I looked at her, and I said, Sarah, I, as your pastor, can I just encourage you, because I know your heart. Don't let the enemy suck you into this frustration and anger. But do what the scripture says. And they had a scripture up on the wall. I think I said this last week. It's a verse out of Psalms. It says, hey, listen, God, I place my life into your hands and I trust in you, Lord. Trusting in God is defined in the tough moments. And so we took a few minutes to pray for them because we want to make sure that as a family, as they walk through this, hey, listen, through thick and thin, God still hears you, loves you doesn't change how we pray for his healing. We're praying, man. We're believing. That, that, that never changes out of it. Listen, you guys know me, man. I'm praying and praying until I can't pray no more. But that's the stuff that God wants to establish. And look at verse 8. See to it 
that no one takes you captive. Here's why. That no one takes you captive. That means there's a possibility that I might bite on something, that I might be captive to something. And he specifically hits it. He goes, listen, I I don't want you to be captive through some hollow or deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. That means there's going to be some subtle teachings that you and I could bite on. And he's like, guys, allow God to root you. Allow the Spirit of God to establish you and build you up so that when those hollow, deceptive arguments, they look smooth, they look good, they might even make you feel good. They might be enticing to the ears, but God's saying, no, they're hollow, they're deceptive. There's nothing you can build on. It is earthly, it's temporal. It might give you a little buzz, it might sound good in a moment, but it's not going to sustain you. It's not going to sustain me. Oh, I love this. Verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. The Amplified says you've been made complete, achieving spiritual stature through that's where I wanted to start the battleground because the battleground starts when you and I become what he says in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6 when he says listen be strong in the Lord meaning be made complete in the Lord and be strong in his power not yours not mine and I got thinking about that when you when you talk about someone who's strong in something like they're a strong guitarist they're you know, they're a strong, uh, you know, I, I joked about it this morning, a strong pancakeist, if that was a word, you know, whatever. But, you know, like, but there are people that are just, they're really strong or really gifted in a certain area. Do, do you understand something? That that's, that just doesn't come overnight. It doesn't just happen. And, and even for those that, that believe that that, that, that skill set or that gifting is placed inside of them. But, but listen, and Karen, you know what I'm talking about. You can have all the potential as a musician, but if you do not hone your skill, the potential never becomes a reality. And you have to develop it. And listen, if you and I are going to be strong in the Lord, I think that's what he's saying. He says, listen, when the battle comes, if you want to stay in the ground, you have to hone that relationship and develop that relationship. And you've got to learn how to rely on God, not rely on yourself, not rely on your ability. That's not necessarily a knock on you. It's just the fact that that you're human. You can't accomplish the things that God can accomplish through you. But you can when you do it in his power. You can stand when you're doing, when you understand who he is and in your life. When you understand the word of God and it's inside of you and it anchors you in the midst of the storm. It allows you to smile in the face of danger. It allows you to laugh and have joy even when your heart is being crushed. But you've got to home that in and then the next part which we're going to go into the next few weeks then you put on the armor of God while you're doing it and I don't know how many of you guys have seen the the movie War Room anybody ever see the movie War Room right a few hands not enough hands in this place you need to see it and I'll be the first one to tell you I'm not a fan of Christian movies 
I'm just being honest. I, it's one or two things with me most of the times. They're either super cheesy, you know what I'm talking about, or they try to hit every possible potential issue in life in one hour. But Cora said to me one time, she goes, we need to go see War, movie, uh, War Room. And if you haven't seen it, it's a powerful, 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 powerful movie. In fact, when I sat in the movie theater, I can't tell you how strong I felt. Even as I'm retelling the story right now, I, that, you know, muscle memory kind of, I, I just feel it, man. Like, I wanted to jump up. I wanted to shout. I wanted to weep. And I had never been more motivated to pray. And it's because in this movie, it centers around a, a mother of a couple, or a, a married couple, one of the, the, the children, their mother was just this prayer warrior, and she had a closet. She called it her war room. And there was a marriage issue. And she looked at her child, and she said, listen, you need to go to war. And every believer needs a war room. She opened up her closet. This was her war room. This is where she knelt down every day. And she, she spoke the word of God. She prayed the word of God. She just went after it. Because she believed so much in prayer. But listen to what, there's a quote from that movie that I want to end with today. Because I heard someone once say, I read, I read this one time, God didn't call us to a playground but to a battleground. But in that movie, she said this, to win the fight, you've got to have the right strategy and you've got to have the right resources because victories do not come by accident. And the battle that's going on is not just to keep you from enjoying the ground that you have here. There are great things that God wants to continue to do in you and through you that will gain even more ground for the kingdom of God. And I go back to what is the reason why often I will come in here and I will open up the blue door that's out here. I don't want you just to keep looking at, you know, this blue door signifying that we paid off our debt. Yay, that's great. That's awesome. It's what's behind the door that's important to me. That at the end of the day, while we're waiting for God to plant us somewhere new or whatever, I don't even, like God, that's in your hands. But I just know that regardless of a building or anything else, we are called to establish the kingdom of God. We are, we are called to encounter the kingdom of God. Our, our goal is to continue to seek first the kingdom of God. And as we seek first the kingdom of God, all the other stuff that we worry about, all the other concerns, everything else that's out of my control, all the stuff that I hope and dream for, God says, listen, I will take care of that. And I promise you, can I just say this, that it may not be on your agenda, but whatever is on God's agenda is going to satisfy you more than you could ever be satisfied. It will hit you in spots in, in your heart that you never ever dreamt of. 
He knows you better than he knows you, that you know yourself. And whatever you and I might want to attain to in things in the way of the natural, God says, listen, if you want second best, you go ahead and pursue that. But if you want what I have for you, if you just put my kingdom first, if you understand that there's a battle, if you understand that when you start to follow me and get behind me and walk my way and take up your cross and do all those things, I'll take care of you, promise you I'll take care of you. I'm a good, good father, but there are people today that don't know hope. There are families today that have sons and daughters that don't know Jesus, and God is saying, listen, I'm using you, so stand your ground. Stand it. And do it not in your own understanding, but in his. And do it by releasing and calling on the power that belongs to him. Put on the full armor of God because he's coming after you. And God says, I've given you gifts and I've given you tools. And if you place it every single day, you will stand your ground. And then you'll hear that marching call. And you'll start, start taking another step and another step. And that's somebody else coming to Jesus. And that's someone else coming to a deeper revelation of God. Somebody else, man, just been in an experience and encounter the presence of God. And, oh, man, this one's starting to experience freedom. And, man, this one's starting to feel healing. Man, I can feel it today. And this one right here, man, this is, man, that battle's been going on for years. And that, man, that broken relationship and that hurt, man, I could just, and you're just taking step after step after step after step. And you're just taking more ground. It's greater as he is in you. He knows that. And the enemy knows that. And that's why he'll do anything and everything to mess with you. Because if he can, he's getting back at God. And you miss out on what God has for you. Come on, Jesus. We stand all over the world. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.com.